Good morning. Good morning. Please join with me in the prayer for illumination as printed in your bulletin and on the screen. Lord, Lord you, call you call us, us to, to do great works, works in your name. We give you thanks that you equip us to hear you, to act, to act and, to and to go forth in relationship with others. Teach us through your word in all that we say and do. May we return with songs of rejoicing and praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's scriptures from Judges, verses 1 through 9. Then Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang on that day. When locks are long in Israel, when the people offer themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. <clears throat> to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled, and the heavens poured, the clouds indeed poured water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anat, in the days of Jael, caravans ceased and travelers kept to the byways. The peasantry prospered in Israel. They grew fat on plunder because you arose, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Thank you, Beth. I always cringe a little when I realize that uh, there are a lot of names or places in our scripture. I always uh, hope that the liturgist is still friends with me on Sunday. She did a wonderful job. Amen? Amen. Today we begin a new sermon series. We're going to be spending the next several weeks talking about some unexpected heroes in our faith. Today we are introduced to an unlikely hero in the Old Testament. In the book of Judges, we read of Deborah, a prophetess, a leader in the faith, a hero of the faith. One of the most immediate thoughts that I have when I read through Judges and read the story of Deborah is, this woman called to be a prophetess? Especially this week, I was struck by how God has used women all throughout history to be great leaders. Women in ministry made the news again this week as the Southern Baptist Church disassociated itself from Rick Warren's Saddleback Churches because Pastor Warren had ordained women as leaders in the church. In the Southern Baptist Convention, it does not align with their theology to ordain women, so Saddleback Church was removed from the SBC. Obviously, I don't agree with the theology of the Southern Baptist Convention. I find multiple times where God has used women to lead and to teach, and I obviously lean on my own pastoral call as my final evidence as to the fact that God will call women into pastoral leadership. But I don't hold the Southern Baptist Convention in disdain, though I disagree with them. United Methodism is ingrained within me. 
And to call myself a United Methodist means that I believe that there are about as many understandings of God and theology as there are people. If I held everyone I disagreed with in contempt, I'd spend a lot of time by myself. To me, the differences among us are the most beautiful part of God's creation. Our differences are where God shows imagination and creativity and where we show our own intellect and understanding and growth. So I celebrate our differences. I believe in John Wesley's teachings that we don't have to believe alike to love alike. I also believe that we can be united as brothers and sisters in the faith despite not being uniform in our beliefs because unity and uniformity are indeed very different things. But that's a sermon for another day. Back to Deborah. If we back up in scripture a little bit to Judges 4, we get a little bit more background on who Deborah is as a prophetess. Again, not entirely surprising, Deborah stands among other prophetesses, women like Miriam and Heldah and Anna. These women are gifted with prophecy, gifted as wise communicators with and for God. I found it interesting as I studied for today and read about Deborah. Linda will find this interesting. The, the Hebrew word that Deborah comes from is the word for honeybee. And Linda has an affinity for bees. Uh, we as a civilization can't exist without bees, right? They are the workers of our ecosystem. And so uh, Matthew Henry said that Deborah lived into her name's origin by her great usefulness to God's people and it said that she was sweet to her friends and sharp to her enemies. And I thought, ooh, when you think of it in terms of a bee, of her being sharp to her enemies, it seems as if Deborah was not someone to be trifled with. Yes? And so uh, I, I had a little affinity for Deborah then. I'm sure it was, it was difficult. But God chose her and chose well to deliver his message to God's people. When we read of Deborah and the other judges who were raised up, I don't want you to mistake them as purely judicial leaders. Deborah was not the original Judge Judy. That was not her role. These people, these, those named as judges, were leaders, were especially leaders during times of crisis or attack. Judges 2 says that the Lord raised up judges who would save them out of the hands of raiders. And so Deborah was a leader. The Israelites, if you've read much in the Old Testament, find themselves in a cycle of disobedience, repent. God would raise up a leader. They would live into their repentance. They would get very comfortable, and they would disobey again. And thus goes the cycle. And don't judge them, Christians. How often do we find we've learned a lesson and then we get comfortable and a bit more apathetic, and then we have to be taught the same lesson over and over again. I often say, when will we learn? When will I learn? Deborah was a woman of deep faith, of constant prayer, of strong leadership, and constant communion with God. She was a mighty leader and judge for God's people. And there came a time we read in our scripture today a little bit of the song of Deborah and Barak that Deborah was leading through a time of military battle. The Israelites were at odds with the king of Canaan and there was a great army. 
900 chariots, it says. 900 chariots. Imagine that in your mind's eye. Deborah sent for Barak, the great commander, and said, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Go take with you 10,000 men and lead them up to Mount Tabor. So, and then I want you to, to hear what God says. He says, I will lead Sisera, the commander of the other army, with his chariots and his troops to the river, and I will give him into your hands. The victory was promised. Deborah is telling Barak that, yes, a great battle lay before them. A mighty enemy is holding on to God's people, and God is calling them into battle where God will once again deliver a victory. The victory is promised. God said, here you go. I want you to go into this battle. I want you to wait for the coming army. I'm going to lead them right to you and give them into your hands. Sounds like a no-brainer, right? Sounds like every commander's dream, right? I'm sorry? Amen. Every commander's dream to know that the battle has been won, that victory is at hand. All you have to do is show up. And so you would think that Barak would lean into this. Yet he says to Deborah, I will go if you go with me. If you don't go, I'm not going. What? Why? That makes no sense to me. The military man called into a battle that he's guaranteed to win, a foe that he will uh, claim victory over says, I'll go, but only if you go with me. Barak says, we must go together. Why? Why? Barak doesn't want to go without this person of great faith because we are better together. Yes? Ecclesiastes 4, we read this and hear this at weddings a lot. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves in a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We are stronger when we stand together. Life is easier when we live it together, when we live in connection with each other. And Barak is living into that idea that we were created to be in community with others and with God. Barak had faith. Deborah had greater faith. Barak had connection with God, but Deborah, together, their connection was stronger. Barak had physical strength, but Deborah had a prophet's communication with the Almighty. Barak could do it on his own, but why go it alone if you could go together? With Deborah's leadership and partnership, Barak felt more secure in his execution of God's plan. Maybe we could consider them in team ministry. Maybe they were the first cooperative. July of 2016 is when I accepted uh, my call into pastoral leadership. I never intended to be in ministry. I didn't want to be in ministry. I tried not to be in ministry. Here's the lesson I learned. If you try to outrun God, you're just going to get tired. And so in 2016, I uh, took the appointment as part of a team ministry with another pastor, called to a church I had never heard of until they called to tell me that it existed, Republic Trinity United Methodist Church, a little tiny white clapboard church in Republic. And so I went. 
in answer to God's call. And then in July of 2017, I transitioned into ministry without a partner as the other pastor left Republic, but my solo ministry didn't last long. In July of 2018, I was called to be the pastoral leader here at St. Paul's, as well as serving alongside Pastor Amy at Republic in Melmore. The circle was widening. It was just a preview of what was to come. In July of 2019, Pastor Amy and I began to share fully in our pastorate here as, we, uh, as they moved her and we moved into a full-time three-point connection. And then in 2021, the cooperative parish ministry was introduced to us all as we came together with the three original churches, and then we added in Union Salem and Sycamore. And now in 2023, we find ourselves changing once again in July as Union Salem exits and Faith United Methodist is added in. This certainly was not the ministry that I envisioned. Just as we have all been called into things we didn't envision, Deborah never envisioned a call to battle with Barack. I never envisioned a call into ministry at all, and I certainly didn't envision the rapid changes that seem to come every stinking July. I don't answer my phone beginning in about April because I know they're calling with some idea that they think would be a great uh, idea for us. At each of these points of call, whether it was the first time I darkened the doorstep of one of my churches or the first time you set eyes on me as your pastor, there were expectations. I had expectations of you. You had expectations for me. The first day that I walked into my office here at St. Paul's, there was a paper chain on my desk. And I thought, oh, how cute. I wonder what that is. And then I picked it up. I looked more closely, and I felt the weight of that chain settle on me. The paper chain reflects all of your hopes and your dreams for the coming season. Pastor Hannah had you write your hopes for your church as she exited and I came. And so I looked over the paper chain the chain with all your hopes on it that I've kept in my office for the past five years as I've tried to live into your hopes and your dreams for the church. On each link it is printed, we believe our season will come. And then on the back, words like, our church will grow. Our church will get stronger every day. Everyone will feel welcome. We will love our neighbor as ourself. The synergy of St. Paul's family will bring many to Christ. I want the church to be on fire for God. I hope we grow in numbers, increase numbers, fiscally sound, be welcoming, be a fully accepting church, have compassion for our community, grow in the community, support the youth, introduce children to Christ. I hope our church isn't afraid to be led somewhere else. I hope we're tolerant of those who think differently. I hope we become stronger in faith, mission, and ministry. No pressure, pastor. That's not all of the remarks. These are just a few, but I felt the weight of the chain. And I have looked at these words, and I have carried these words, and I have felt the weight of these words each day for the past 
five years. And I think that the wait has served me well. The weight of your words has motivated me to do my very best in ministry here. The weight of your expectations has caused me to do everything in my power to be an effective leader. I have integrated your words and your hopes and your dreams into my prayers and my conversations with God, and God has remained faithful. The same God has remained faithful. And we have seen numbers increase in our midst. Each of the churches I serve has received new members in the time that I have been serving. We have confirmed young people in the faith. Young people have come to Christ. We have baptized young and old believers. We have seen weddings. We have buried friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have survived some times that churches have not survived. We have survived a global pandemic when the world shut down and some churches never reopened. We are surviving one of the most divisive times in our country's history, with division in government and within community, with social unrest and extreme economic hardship. We have survived a turbulent time in our United Methodist denomination. We have maintained our missional focus on making disciples. That is how we have survived. I believe, though, that a battle lay before us. I read somewhere in Pastor Rick Warren's uh, interview, he said, it takes about five years, five to seven years, for a church to truly trust their pastor. He said, by then, all the people that don't like you have left, (laughs) and the people who remain trust you, and the work truly begins. And so as this July approaches, Our work truly begins. I feel as if we've come through the ocean that God has split. I feel as if we've felt the water splash on our faces. I feel as if we've walked through a lot of really tough stuff. We've lost a lot of important people in this church. They've gone to the church triumphant, to their their victory. We have come through a time the world has never seen before. And I believe that we are stronger. Someone said to me, Pastor, do you think the church is going to be okay? Here's what I know. The victory was declared a long time ago. God said that nothing, neither hell, nothing could stop his church. But we have to go to battle. And so I'm asking you to come along with me. I'll go if you'll come too. Just as Deborah called for Barak to help her fight for God's people, I believe that we have a battle before us. I believe that we are at a tipping point or a fork in the road. I believe that God is calling us into health and deep vitality in our churches. I believe that God is calling us into the formation of all of the dreams that you held, all of the words that you wrote. I'm offering the chain back to you. I need your help. I'm going to invite you into a summer of love where where we'll begin to dream what the next season of church at St. Paul's looks like. I'm going to invite you 
into this summer of love as we talk about the ways that we can live into loving God with everything that we have, heart, mind, soul, body, spirit, fingers, thumbs, lips, everything you got. We're gonna love God and then we're gonna love neighbors as ourselves. I'm gonna invite you into a summer of loving God, of serving others, serving the church and serving our neighbors and by giving, giving of ourselves, our times, our talents and our treasures. Love, serve and give. I believe that is the goal, the goal that God is setting before us. I believe that is the call that God is placing on this season of this church, to love, to serve, and to give. On the back tables, if you didn't grab one on the way in, the ushers are gonna make sure that you get. Uh, this is our first Summer of Love Worship Challenge, and Gold Star, you've already completed part of it. In this Summer of Love Worship Challenge, we're going to talk about taking worship with us, making worship a priority. Life is so busy right now. 40% of the population in the United States works on Sunday. Four out of every 10 of us work on the day that is set aside for worship. And so we have to be creative in thinking of ways to offer worship for those who cannot be with us on Sunday morning. And so if you have ideas, I welcome them. If you have ideas on how we can offer times for worship for those who struggle to get here on Sunday morning. That's how the, the Young Moms Faith Club was born because they struggle in Sunday morning worship. And so we came together in worship on Wednesday evening. Summer is busy, you want to go on vacation. We have ball games, we have summer camps, we have all of these things. I'm gonna ask you to commit to be in person and worship as often as you can, but when you can't, there are options. We have online worship available, but don't just watch, make it worship. Remember when COVID first started and we were all excited about being at home and worshiping at home and we would light our candles. I sent worship materials home and, and we made it worship even though we weren't together. Do that again. When you worship on, via our live stream, text me and let me know that you're there. Share your prayer concerns. Stay in community and share the link to our worship. If you're not able to view worship with us, online, you're not able to be in person, take worship on the road with you. I promise God's there. You just have to enter into a time. God will be in your time of devotion, in your staycation at home, or in your VRBO, or in your hotel room. House church is still church, or camper church, or hotel room church, you get the idea. If you just can't make it happen on Sunday, call some friends and have a flip-flop faith. Sit in your yard, kick off your flip-flops, share your prayer concerns, and pray for one another. Can you imagine what our neighbors would think? What are you doing over there? Well, we couldn't make it to church, so we decided to gather to have community and to pray for one another. We'll get some looks, right? Invite a friend to a special worship event. We're gonna have outdoor worship. Check your newsletter for that. There's, worship can be anywhere, anytime, anything. We just have to make it a priority. Opportunities for worship are endless. Get creative. God is worthy.
I'm asking you into the battle. Not a physical battle, but a battle for our spiritual health. To battle for our own personal spiritual well-being and the spiritual well-being of our neighbor, our children, our community, our very selves. I'm asking you to love and to serve and to give. And all God's people said, amen. Church, let's turn to a time of...